you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians. And I do want to say thank you to Brother Josue for stepping in and leading us this morning in our time of worship. And I also want to say um, it's great to have uh, with us uh, the Arellanos, uh, all the way from Monterey. Uh, they're here. Uh, they're two of our missionaries that we support every month. And I just love the work that they're doing. And it's been a very difficult year uh, for both uh, Hermana Rosa and for Hermana Angie. Um, they both lost their husband. Uh, in fact, you know, about a month apart, each one. And, uh, and yet they have remained faithful. They've uh, remained working in the, the work of God in the ministry. And uh, as a church, we're so proud of uh, just the work you're doing. And we, uh, we feel humbled to be a part of that and to support you in, uh, in what God has called you to do. So, so thankful you're here. Galatians chapter number six. And we're, um, we're going to start in verse number six. We, we've been studying this whole letter and um, in chapter 5, we said there was a little bit of a change in the letter from Paul to the uh, Christians in Galatia. Uh, he went from, in chapter 4, teaching that we are children of the promise till chapter 5, talking about what that even means, the practical side. And, and you find that uh, a spirit-led Christian uh, has rights, and chapter 5 is all about those rights, right? Uh, when someone gets arrested, we... We, uh, we've heard, at least on TV all the time, right, the Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. You have to give someone their rights as you're arresting them, right, uh, so that they know. It's the same thing in the Christian life when, when the Spirit of God comes in and dwells us and we are people of faith, then as Spirit-led Christians, we have rights. And chapter 5 is all about what those rights allow us to do, the freedom and the liberty that we have in Christ. Chapter 6 is the responsibilities of that freedom, right? Chapter 5 is the rights that I have. Chapter 6 is what do I do with those rights? How do I live those rights with others? We live in a, in a day and age in America where everyone wants to talk about their rights. You can't tell me that. It's my right. And we have in our minds as Americans the right to be mean to other people, to disgrace other people, to talk bad about other people and gossip and judge other people. And we don't realize that the freedom we have is to be helpful to other people and to love other people. At least that's the freedom in Christ. It's, it's to do that. It's not to get my way, right? It's so that I can serve others. And so uh, that is what chapter 6 is all about. And we, we learned last week as we studied verse 1 through verse 5 that responsibilities that we have as spirit-led Christians is to restore those that are fallen, to bear the burdens of those that are going through difficult circumstances in life and situations, we're to bear with them, and then to test our love and to test what we uh, do uh, for Christ, test our motivations, test our heart. And the Spirit-led Christian will, will allow God to test them in those areas. Well, this morning we're going to look at three other responsibilities that we see in verse number 6 down to verse number 10. So let's read those verses and then we'll dive into uh, understanding what they mean. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. 
For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, the spirit-led Christian is responsible. He's responsible to God, responsible to himself, and responsible to others. The spirit-led Christian has an obligation to live a responsible life, to fulfill the law of Christ, which is loving others, serving others. This is the law of Christ. And in chapter 4, the rights that we have, uh, but we have been free, made liberty. Then he says in verse 13, but don't use your liberty for selfish reasons. Use your liberty to love one another or to serve one another. So the responsibility that we have as spirit-led Christians is to God, ourselves, and others. What responsibilities is he talking about here then? I want you to notice this morning three more areas of this, and the first one being that we have a responsibility to support. To support. Now, as spirit-led believers, we support others. Okay, In general, we are to support and serve others. Others, But I want you to notice that in verse number six, the Apostle Paul is pretty specific as to who he's talking about that we should support. You'll notice at the beginning of verse six, let him that is taught, right, that is somebody that's receiving the word of God, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So he's talking about supporting those that teach the word of God. If you receive teaching from the word of God, you're to support those that are doing the teaching. Those who teach the word, we are to support. Now, it's important to understand here that Paul is speaking about those teaching the word full-time. He's talking about pastors, missionaries, full-time workers, okay? And uh, that could be a, a, a number of different people depending sometimes on the size of the church. Uh, in, in, a, in our church, for instance, we have two full-time pastors and we have a uh, full-time uh, song uh, leader and, and, and director, which is uh, Brother Josue, and he does different other areas of the ministry. Uh, but all of us three are full-time in this ministry. We have two that serve part-time, our, our two church secretaries. One is a bookkeeper, and the other one is the one that helps us with the, uh, uh, the attendance and with um, who are the members are and, and, and keeping those records as well. So we've got five that work in this church, and Paul is saying those that have given their life to teaching the word and, and working in ministry, we are to support them. It is the responsibility of the congregation who's receiving instruction to be supporting the one giving the instruction. And by the way, I have found in my life, even before God called me into the work of ministry, I was supporting those that were teaching me the word of God. My first job was at McCoy's. It was a stalker at McCoy's. Um, I would, you know, depending on the week when it was uh, inventory week, I was going in at five in the morning. Normally, I'd be going in at around eight in the morning. And, um, and you know, I, I started off by just stocking shelves and then got into the yard and, and, and moving, you know, two by fours and two by sixes and plywoods and, and sheetrock. And, you know, I, I know even to this day, know nothing about construction. But I worked at a place that was all about construction. Uh, and during that year, it was my first job. I had just graduated from high school. And during that year, it was the first time I ever collected a paycheck. Right? I never collected a paycheck in high school because I didn't have a job. And uh, so that first time 
uh, that I collected a paycheck from that first time, I can tell you, I started supporting those that were teaching me the word. I started giving here in our local church. All right. Why? Because the instruction is pretty clear. Those of us that are receiving from someone the word of God ought to be giving and supporting them. All right. And so that was something that I started doing. And I am so appreciative of those that have taught me the word. Uh, listen, if it, if it wasn't uh, for, for people, uh, and I, I went to a Christian school all my life, if it wasn't for uh, some of these teachers that gave of themselves to teach me uh, history, but through the lens of the Bible and through the lens that God is sovereign, man, I, I don't know what I would be thinking about history, uh, about science. Uh, uh, I don't know what I would think about life if there wasn't Sunday school teachers that, that taught me about having a good attitude and, and how to treat others and love others. If there, if there wasn't a pastor that was directing me on, on how to uh, um, be submissive to the will of God and, and, and to understand what the Bible says. Uh, I'm so thankful for, for people that do that in my life. There's still many that pour into my life in teaching. And that's why it's so important. Listen, I, 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 I'm, uh, when, when I'm not teaching the new members class on Sunday nights, I get into a small group. All right? And there's someone there that's leading the small group. And I'm learning from them. And, and that's, that's the reason that uh, I, 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 uh, I'm in this church supporting in this church. Now, not only are we to support those that are teaching the word, he says at the end how we're supporting them. It's not just giving them a good cheer, like, hey, Keep going, do a good job. That is good support. I'm glad for people that say, hey, Pastor, appreciate that message. That was great, or that helped me. I'm so appreciative of that. That is one way to support. But I want you to notice how Paul is saying here in this verse. This is always the easiest topic to talk about because people are always like, man, is he saying this for self-interest or is that really what it says? And I'm just going to show you here, this is what it says, okay? I didn't write this letter. I didn't write the Bible. Somebody said, I didn't write it, I just recite it, okay? I'm just telling you what it says. But notice what it says there in the middle of the verse. It says, communicate unto him that teacheth. Now, that word communicate is the Greek word koinoneo, which literally means to share or make a partaker with you. What Paul is talking about when he says let's communicate, he's talking about financially financially and joyfully supporting. So here specifically, that's not the only way that we support. Supporting could be with your words and encouraging someone. But Paul here in verse number six, he's teaching the church of Galatia. When I say communicate, what I'm talking about is financially, giving. He says you ought to give financially to those that are uh, investing and teaching you what the word of God says. And this is something that was established when God established the teaching of his word. Okay, uh, And so Paul here is specifically talking about financially. We're to, to share financially and joyfully the good things, the things that we have received from God's hand. In fact, the, the, the word good things there, that Greek word means the benefits. So we are to share the benefits and blessings that we've received of God with those that are teaching us God's word. And that's where the tithe and offering come in in a local church like our church. Say, well, why do we put in the offering? Is it, is it uh, uh, so, so Jeremy can buy a car? No. But the Bible says, by giving, we are supporting 
the ministry that God has for all of us. Listen, if people were not tithing and giving, right, I would not have a salary to be able to study God's word. On Sunday, we would just talk about, I don't know, whatever comes to my mind. Right? We, we wouldn't be able to do that. When there's a church, when there's a people that are financially supporting the one teaching the word of God, it allows that person, right, the person that's teaching, to study more, to understand more the word of God, to be able to, to share that. Right? So here's how it works. The spiritual truths, I'm learning and studying God's word that I've been called in my life to do, I share with you. And then the blessings that God has given you in the work that God's called you to do, you share with me. That's how it works. Paul is teaching the church at Galatia, listen, li this is so important. You have this responsibility if you're a spirit-led Christian. Talking about people that want to do what God's word says, that want to live the way God's word tells us to live. He says you need to support financially and joyfully those who, who are teaching you the word of God. 1 Timothy says it even more clear. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's in your notes, verse 17 and 18. Elders, that's another word for pastors or leaders, do, uh, who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. So Paul is just teaching this principle, this truth, okay? We give to those that teach us the word. Those that invest spiritually, he told the church at Corinth, should reap physically, right? Should reap from the work that they've been called into. And I think this is so important because we see this principle throughout the whole Bible, okay? The priests that, that worked in the tabernacle, you know where they got their food from? from those that were making sacrifices at the tabernacle. The priests in the temple, same way. Right? This has been something that God had established. For those that are teaching us the word of God, we are to support financially. By the way, that's why I tithe. You say, of the salary that the church gives you, you tithe off that? Yes, and I give my offerings. I give, my goal is to get to 20%. I give about 15 to 16% of my income, total income, to the church. That's what we do. Right? And my wife decided that because why? We are to support those that are teaching the word of God. Right? So this is a principle and a truth and a responsibility that we have as spirit-led Christians. Let me give you another responsibility that he shares here in verse number seven, and that is to invest. A spirit-led Christian is to be a great investor. Right? Now you might be asking, which one? The stock market or where are we supposed to invest? He's not talking about the stock market here, okay? It wasn't even around back then yet. So what is he talking about when he's talking about investing, investing properly in a biblical manner? How are we to do this? Well, first, if you're going to invest in and you're going to be a good investor, first of all, you need to know and understand the principle of investing, all right? Understand the principle. So here's what he, he uh, declares to them, all right? In verse number seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked, all right? Here's the principle. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He said, this is a principle that you can't ignore. This is a principle that people that think they're smarter than God ignore and disobey. That's why he says to the church in Galatia, 
Don't deceive yourself. Okay? This is true in every area of life. This is a principle that you can apply not just to church. You can apply this to your job. You can apply this to your family. You can apply this to every area of life. Don't kid yourself. Okay? God is never wrong. What you sow, you reap. What you sow, you reap. It's a very straightforward principle. Right? If you plant corn in a field, you're going to get corn. Okay? If, you, if, you, if you sow it and you water it and you take care of it in the harvest time, you get corn. You don't plant corn you know, and get apples. No, no. What you plant, what you sow, you will reap. Right? You plant coffee, you're going to harvest coffee. This is true in agriculture. Let me tell you something. This is true in the life of a Christian. What you sow in your life, what you invest in in your life, is what you're going to harvest later in your life, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, notice I put this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Here's the principle. Principle is always the same. What you plant, you will reap. So if you plant a lot, you're going to reap a lot. A good investor invests a lot, not a little. Knowing this, that later I'm going to reap from what I'm sowing. Uh, that, that's why uh, in, in a different uh, letter in the, in the New Testament, they say, sow righteousness and you'll reap peace. Okay? You sow good things in your life. You invest in loving people and helping people and you're going to love what you reap from that. But if you start investing your life in judging people and gossiping and what was happening in the church of Galatia, living a religious life, then you're going to reap frustration. You're going to reap anger. You're going to reap judgmentalism and legalism and all kinds of stuff because that's what you invested in. So, a good investor understands the principle of investing. What we sow, we reap. Number two, by applying the precept, all right? The precept is the law that works here, right? You, the, the principle is that. Now, how does this kind of law work? Well, in verse number eight, Paul shares that. For he that soweth through his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. Understanding how something works and that something works is not the same as actually doing it, right? I mean, if you get on, like, Netflix, and you watch a documentary on what it takes to be an astronaut, we might understand, man, it takes physical exercise, man, it takes knowing math, and then, you know, you have to have some flight experience, probably in the Air Force or something, and, and you can, we can know that process. It's one thing to know that that's how it works. It's another thing to actually do that, to be an astronaut, to actually go through that. It's one thing to understand how a rocket works. It's a whole other thing to build a rocket. Right? So here's what Paul is saying. Then. Here's the principle, what you sow, you, you will reap. Here's the precept then that you need to apply in your life. If you're reaping to sinful, wrong nature, you're going to reap corruption in your life, destruction. So what are, what are those things that, that, that are the flesh? Well, if you, if you have your Bible open, look at chapter 5 and verse 19. That is what he's talking about. 
If you're sowing in your life, and I'll just read it to you really quickly. If you're sowing things like adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, then that's what you're going to reap, corruption. You sow those things in your life, don't be surprised that it takes you to destruction in your life. But, Paul says, if you apply this principle and invest in the Spirit, you say, well, what's investing in the Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 21, chapter 5. Uh, verse 22, I'm sorry. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You sow that in your life, and you'll reap some beautiful things of what life will give you. But you've got to sow into that. You've got to invest in that. So a good investor, one of the responsibilities that we have as spirit-led Christians is to be good investors. Well, how are we good investors? Well, one, understanding the principle that whatever we sow, we're going to reap in life. Number two, the precept says, if I sow to destruction, I'm going to reap destruction. This is why um, maybe you've counseled someone in, in your life, maybe, maybe a, a relative or maybe a friend from work, and you ever counseled somebody and they're just going through a really tough time, maybe they're struggling in their marriage and they're just kind of like, man, I know you and your wife, it just seems that like y'all get along and here's, here's what's happening in my, my marriage, you know, what, what will you counsel me to do? And then you hear what they're doing and you go, well, dude, that's why she doesn't like you, Right? Like, well, yeah, you know, I'm never home. You know, when, when she needs groceries, I don't like giving her money, so I don't. Um, you know, on our anniversaries, I don't, like, I don't like taking her out to eat. I mean, come on. That's money. That's time. I mean, I don't have time for that. Okay. Well, let me tell you why your marriage is falling apart. Because <laughs> you're not spending time with your wife. Because you don't love your wife. That's why. Right? I mean, if you're going to be sowing so much into your work, that you don't take time for your wife and your kids? Don't be surprised tomorrow that they're sticking you somewhere else and saying, I'm not taking care of you. Of course not. You didn't take care of them. Because the principle is, what we sow, we reap. The precept is very simple. Sow wickedness, reap corruption. Sow to the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith. You reap life everlasting. You're going you're to have some joy in your life. You're going to have some things that you enjoy. You're going to have better relationships when you apply the precept. Number three, really quick, you got to believe the promise. Verse number nine says this. Verse nine says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The application of this precept can only be done by faith, okay? When faith is lacking, then quitting is present. I'll say that one more time. When faith is lacking, then quitting is present. So here's the principle. What we sow, we reap. The precept, okay, I better sow to the Spirit so I can have blessings and not sow to the flesh so I, I don't want to have destruction in my life. okay. We got that far, now do I believe that? Believe the promise. Because let me tell you something, in the process of investing, you don't always reap the next day. 
Now, if I could use the stock market just for, for, for an instance here. Um, if you would have invested in Walmart in 1988 and then sold all your stocks in 1989, you probably didn't make a whole lot of money. But if you bought a bunch of stocks and invested heavily in 1988 and then you sold it in 2022, you probably made a ton of money because you bought super low and you'll be selling at, I think the price is, I don't know, probably 100 times what it was in 1988. But in that time, there's a lot of temptation to sell, right? When economy, economies start dipping and the price of food and gas start going up, you know, as it did in, in the mid-90s, you might say, I don't know if I want to keep this stock. I think I'm ready to get rid of it. And then when it happened again in, in, in the early 2000s, you, oh, I don't know, I might want to get rid of it. And then when it happened again in 2010, 2011 with the economy and with the, oh man, I, I might want to get rid of it. But if you just hold on to it and don't quit and you keep investing, in 2022, you have a lot to reap. And, and you got to believe that that's what's going to, and good investors believe in the principle it's going to work out at the end. The more I invest now, the more I'm going to reap later. In the Christian life, you got to believe that because as you're investing in people, okay, as you're investing in loving people, as you're investing in being joyful, man, trials come, they really take that away. Sometimes you, you help someone and then later you find out that person's talking about bad about you and you're like, why did I even help them? What a waste. Right? And, and you're going to want to quit there. I know a lot of people who say, you know what? This is why I never get close to anybody because people always disappoint me. I just like to tell those people, welcome to the club. People are disappointing. It's part of life. But let me tell you something. Just because someone's doing that is not going to stop me from investing. You know, every major investor at some point lost money. At some point in the stock market, they lost money, but it didn't stop them from investing. And my, my, most of the, the brokers that are the richest are those that just kept investing. And they hit the right company and the right stock, and suddenly they were ripping huge benefits, reaping so many benefits, because they didn't stop. And the Christian life, let me tell you something. The devil's going to discourage you. People are going to disappoint you. You're going to get tired and you're going to get weary. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, so don't quit. He says in verse number nine, if I can say it one more time, let us not be weary. Let us not be weary in well-doing. He excluded himself. Look, me too, guys. Let's not be weary in well-doing. Because if we just keep investing as good investors, we'll, we'll reap. We'll reap. First responsibility then that we've learned this morning Number one, to support. Support those that are giving us the word and teaching us the word of God. Number two, uh, we, we need to be investing, be great investors. Number three, do good. Our last responsibility, verse number 10, do good. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Spirit-led Christians are to do good. They're not to do bad. They're not to be idle. They're not to sit and do nothing. They're not to watch and criticize they are to do good. But notice they're to do good, it says, at every opportunity. The word opportunity is the same word 
in verse 9 that's translated season. See in verse 9, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Verse number 10, where it says opportunity in the Greek, they're both the, the same word. It's the word kairos. By the way, has anybody ever drunk kairos coffee? Right. Yeah, kairos coffee, that, that's the Greek word, kairos. And, and uh, that, that Greek word, uh, by the way, they, they got it from there. It means due time, right? So when you say coffee time, kairos coffee means it's coffee time or time for coffee. That's the literal translation in Greek for the word kairos. That's where they got it from. In case anybody was wondering, I know nobody was, but I thought I'd share that. Actually, put it in my notes just to share that. But here's the principle. Do good, in other words, while you have the time. Investors know this. The earlier you get in on something, the more you reap. Good investors know, I got to take advantage of now. Anybody that has to save for retirement? Retirement age, what is the average age right now? Is it 65 or did it go up already? Anybody know? 67? 67. The medium age for retirement now is around 67. Okay. It's probably not a good idea to start saving when you're 65. Just telling you. Just telling you. You can. And you'll live to about 69 and then you're done, right? And you're going to have no more food for money. <laughs> money for food, I mean. It's, it's the early you start saving for that, the longer and better future you might have after you retire because you have money coming in, right? So it's a really simple principle. I'm not giving you something that nobody knows or that you don't know. I know I, I hope you don't, don't feel, I, I'm, I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence, okay? I know you know this. So this is why Paul is saying this to them. This is a, a community that was big into agriculture. Okay, that was big in the time and in the day and age of Paul, and that's why he's saying this. Guys, do good right now while you have the opportunity, while you have the chance. James said life is a vapor. It's here and gone the next day. So Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. There's the word again. Of the time that you have, you're to do good. It's your responsibility. Number two, and he ends with this, especially, verse 10, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Prioritizing believers is something that we... We have to view as our responsibility. This doesn't mean that we don't help somebody that doesn't come to our church or doesn't believe in God. Well, you can't help them. No, no. We help them. We give. We sacrifice. We do what we can. But Paul said, but especially prioritize those that are the household of faith. In other words, your, your brother and sister in Christ, the believers in your church. Okay. If there's a need there and there's a need in your neighborhood, the need in your church takes precedent. It's the priority. If there's, if there's somebody in this congregation that you can help and be a blessing to, you ought to. They're the priority. Then others. Paul's not saying here when he says, especially of the household of faith, he's not saying ignore everybody. We're to do good to all men. He already said that at the beginning of the verse. Do good to all men. But prioritize those that are believers. Those that are there in that local 
congregation. I'm all for helping other organizations. I'm all for helping other causes. I, I, we try to do that throughout the year. But listen, if you're helping other causes, but you can't help people in your own church, I'd say your priorities are way off. Notice what John said to the church in Ephesus. Look at 3 John chapter 1, verse number 5. I put in your notes. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be better or be their partners as they teach the truth. Do you see the priority there? He said, wait, we're going to help everybody, but man, especially those of household faith, those that are teaching the truth, those that are living the way that pleases God. Yeah, I to be able to be supporting them and making them the priority in your life. So this morning, three major responsibilities that we have if we're going to be spirit-led Christians. This morning you say, man, I, I want to do what God wants me to do. Great. There's three responsibilities then that you're going to have. One is to support those that are teaching the Word of God. Two is be a great investor. Understand the principle, apply that principle in your life and believe the promise that comes with that principle. And then number three, number three where it's prioritizing the believers and, and uh, giving uh, by faith to the necessities that are there, do good. Do good. So this morning, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you last week. How responsible are you? Pastor, I think I'm really responsible. I think I'm a pretty responsible person. I'd say, man, that's great. I'm glad you are. That means, that means to me, if you're saying that you're a responsible Christian, that means you've been giving. You've been supporting the local ministry here. Thank you for that support. That's responsible of you. That's what a spirit-led Christian does. Number two, then, what you're telling me, as someone that says, I, th I think I'm, I'm pretty responsible, then you're investing. You're investing loving others and you're investing in being long-suffering with others and you're investing in meeting the needs of others. You're investing in serving others. And I'm going to say thank you for investing that way. Keep at it. Yes, people disappoint. And life is tough. Keep investing. Don't stop investing. Why? Because you're responsible. God can do a lot with a responsible person. Number three, do good. If you're telling me I'm, I'm responsible, then I'd say, man, tell me some of the good that you've been doing. You've got to do good to all men. I hope you're being good to people at work. Are you being good to people in your family and relatives and those that are around your area? And most importantly, people at church. By the way, if you're here and you're going, I don't even know anybody at church, that's not responsible. How can you prioritize somebody you don't know? That's why it's important. Hey, we gotta, we got to be, look, consistency helps us to get to know one another and talk with one another. Take the opportunity to do that. Are you being responsible as a Christian? I hope you are. I hope you are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. 
thank you today that you've challenged us in this area of being responsible. Father, so many times I can look at my own life and realize that I have not been as responsible as I ought to be. I've not been responsible financially. Sometimes I haven't been responsible socially, loving others and helping others. Sometimes I, I haven't been responsible in just doing good. And Father, if that's where we're at as a church, I, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for living irresponsibly. If that's where we're at personally, we haven't just been investing lately. Investing in your kingdom or investing in the lives of others, forgive us. Because, Father, we can't reap blessings if we're not sowing in righteousness and in peace. It's an impossibility. So help us, Father. Not only do we ask for you to forgive us for our shortcomings, but would you, in your love and in your mercy, help us to be great investors. Help us to support financially with the blessings that we've received from your hand. Help us to support those that are teaching us in this local church. And then help us to do good to all men. Help us not to quit. Be faithful in that. Because we need you. Give us the faith to do what only we can do by faith. Be with us, I pray being responsible. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.